Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning where you gather us together around your word and around your sacraments to receive your gifts and to strengthen the faith that you have given us in our baptism. We pray you open our hearts and our minds to hear your word, that you'd remove distractions from us, that we would hear your word clearly. In your Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did you catch what was going on in the gospel reading? Again, it's a busy week. Jesus had long ago set his face to go to Jerusalem because he knew the cross lay ahead. And as he walked into Jerusalem, remember during that Palm Sunday, that triumphal entry, right? There's folks praising him as the Messiah, the King to come, the one that was going to save all of Israel. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest God, save us. And then he walks into his father's house, to the temple. And there's transactions going on, there's money changing going on, there's things going on. Passover was just on its way and they were getting prepared so people needed the sacrifices to be able to buy, whether it was the lambs or the sheep or the turtle doves or whatever it was they needed to purchase for this upcoming feast. The city was teeming with people. Miracles needed to be happened. There were blind that needed to see, there were deaf that needed to hear, and Jesus is attending to all of those. He had just spent the night out in Bethany and he came in and looked for figs on a fig tree that should have had a little bit in leaf because the tree had so many leaves on it and he was expecting something there and there was nothing. No fruit on the tree. No fruit in his people. And so he heads into the temple and he starts teaching. He was a rabbi. He had students. He had disciples. He had those that were following him. He had every right to go in and teach. And as he's teaching, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, the ones that knew the Scriptures, knew the law, knew God's Word inside and out, came to him and said, by what authority are you doing this? And who gave you that authority? Now, it wasn't just the teaching, but the miracles. The cleansing of the temple, everything, everything that had happened over the last couple of days, the reception of praise from the people, all of those things. The Pharisees say, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave it to you? It's always amazing to me to see how different Jesus reacts than like my initial reaction. My initial reaction when something like that comes up is one of defensiveness whatever reason throughout my life, if a challenge comes, if a question comes, I feel like I've got to justify my position fairly quickly. But Jesus stands back for just a moment and says, I'm going to ask you a question also. And you tell me the answer to the question and I'll tell you by whose authority I do these things. Now when you listen to this question, think about that for a second because if they answer the question with truth, they will have answered their first question. And so Jesus says, Ah, the baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from man? From whose authority was John baptizing? Here's the part that's amazing to me, and I think it's the part that actually hits pretty close to home more often than not, more than you probably realize. Not once did they consider what they believed. If you notice what the Pharisees started discussing, they did not discuss the truth. They didn't discuss what they believe, they didn't discuss what they understand from scriptures, and they didn't discuss anything that had to do with actual situation. They discussed how people were going to react. Well, 
if we say, from heaven, then he's going to look at us and say, well, why didn't you believe then? But if we say from man, then the whole crowds and everybody that are here praising him and know John to be a prophet, well, they're going to react. They couldn't stand on their belief. They calculated their responses. They may have known what their faith was. They may have known what they believed in and what they trusted in, yet that isn't what shaped their responses. They calculated their responses based upon how people would react to it. Now, Why do I say that hits somewhat close to home? Well, you know, it's coming up in a couple of months, right? In election time. We tend to hear a few calculated responses between this time and that time. We start to hear how people will, you know, how words will be heard and start to judge how words are going to be heard, whether they come from our mouth or somebody else's. Um, There's this thing called social media where you see, you know, people's like curated lives a lot of times. It's not necessarily an honest reflection of what's going on in life. Sometimes it is. And those are the ones that we usually stand out and end up like, or those are the ones that usually stand out to us and we end up either calling them or texting them or driving over to their house and say, what's going on? I either want to sit in this joy with you or I need to sit in this hard time with you, right? But we tend to calculate our responses a lot of times, start to decide what words we're going to say depending upon how we think they're going to be heard. And that can be a hard thing. Now, sometimes it's necessary. But when it comes to what we believe in, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to what God has given us in our baptism, that's something that maybe we shouldn't calculate quite so much. But that we should stand on his word and on his promises, that he's our God, that he is true, and that truth needs to be spoken as well. And so what did the Pharisees answer Jesus? We don't know. Think about that for a second. Who were these people? These, again, were the teachers. They were the religious leaders. They were the ones that knew everything. They were the ones that when someone had a question about Scripture or God's authority or the divine nature of things, these are the guys that people went to. These are the ones that had all of the answers. And so for one man, as they saw him, Jesus, to stand there and ask them a question about the authority of God, they couldn't answer him. They couldn't give him a straight answer, not because they didn't or did believe, but because they were worried about people's thoughts. They were worried about what it might mean for them if they did actually answer with their belief that the authority came from God, and that's why Jesus was doing these things, and that's why John was doing his baptism. That means their life was going to have to change because they weren't the authority anymore. God was. Yet, if they went against the crowds, then the crowds would start to have the upper hand and they might riot and they might go against everything and not believe the Pharisees anymore. And again, their authority would be in question. And so in their not knowing of things, I love Jesus' second response. He goes, all right, what do you think? Okay, again, he, he puts the question back on them and he says, here, I want to hear your thoughts on this. And I don't want us to hear this as a snide thing. I really want you to hear this as Jesus caring for these Pharisees and saying, here, I want you to wrestle with this question. I want you to ponder this question. I want you to think through this with me. So what do you think on this? There's a man that has two sons, and he goes to his first son, and he says, go into the vineyard and work. And that first son says, I will not. 
Yet later, he goes in. Any of you have children? Have you heard that response before? Hey, go make your bed. I will not. Then it gets close to bedtime, and you realize that they did actually make their bed somewhere during the day. Kind of warms your heart, doesn't it? Or, you know, the trash needs to be taken out, or whatever the task is, the homework, or whatever it is. You know, you might get the words of, I'm not going to do that. But then you see that they trust your love enough to know that they need to go get it done. That's that first son. The second son, the father comes to him with the exact same words and the exact same love and with the exact same task. He says, son, go into the vineyard. He says, I go, sir. And then didn't. Have you had that happen in your household? That's probably the one that I see more giggles coming from the parents, right? Need to take the trash out. All right. Yeah, it's still full. (laughs) It's now Tuesday and it's still full. It's overflowing. It's falling over. And then you end up going to go get it done. Right? That's how it happens sometimes. That's maybe the one we relate to. But as Jesus takes those two scenarios... And he doesn't give the third scenario, which is the son that says, I'm not going to do it and never does it, right? Uh, That's just not on the table for this particular teaching moment for Jesus. But he looks at the Pharisees and he says, so what do you think? Who did the will of the Father? Not who said the words of the will of the Father, who answered the Father with the right words, or who calculated their words in a way to where they knew it would get the response from the Father they wanted, but who did the will of their Father? They said, well, the first one. Right, the first one. And so the tax collectors and the sinners, the ones that went out to go hear John at his baptism, the one that went to go hear the forgiveness of their sins, the, one that, the ones that were out there to hear the love of the Father for them, they're going to get into the kingdom of God well before you. Now again, remember who the Pharisees saw themselves to be. They saw themselves as the most righteous, the most able, the most capable, the most worthy of going into the kingdom of God out of everybody. And here's this man standing in the middle of the temple to tell them that these guys that weren't even allowed into the temple grounds originally are going into the kingdom of God before us? Those are heavy words for them to hear. But you see, it's that faith. It's that faith that God planted in the hearts of those tax collectors and sinners. It's that faith that heard the words of forgiveness and said, my life needs to change. A fellow pastor recently wrote, and I shared it not long ago, it says, I I repent because I'm forgiven. I'm not forgiven because I repent. There's a big difference there. The tax collectors and the sinners weren't forgiven because they went out to go uh, hear John the Baptist and be baptized in him. It wasn't their action that drew the forgiveness. It was the fact that those words of forgiveness were spoken into their lives and they said, my life looks so different than what I hear this guy calling me to be. My life looks so different than the identity Christ sets before me. Knowing that he's the one that has made me his child. Knowing that he's the one that has called me unto himself. Knowing that he's the one that has called me in faith. And giving me the faith to trust in those promises of eternal life and salvation and his righteousness. And I see that I am nowhere near that standard, yet he gives that to me freely. Then I need to change what I'm doing. 
as opposed to where the Pharisee stood that said, one, I don't think I really need forgiveness nor repentance. Or a lot of the other understanding of if I go repent, then God must forgive. You see, the action of God's repentance doesn't start with us. The action of God's repentance starts with his love. It starts with his love for you. It starts with his care for you. It starts with his promise in the very beginning given to Adam and Eve when they sinned and his love for them remained and he did not wipe them out right then and there. And He said things are going to get harder because of your sin, yet I still love you and there's a promise that I'm going to take care of the one that tempted you and I'm going to redeem you and I'm going to still call you my children and I'm still going to love you and I'm going to continue to forgive and forgive and forgive. Thanks be to God for that love because that's where we rest now is in that forgiveness. But again, it's not our repentance or our action that draws his forgiveness. It's his forgiveness and his love that draws us unto himself. And then he sends us out and he says, you are completely forgiven. Now don't worry about where you stand and go speak my love and forgiveness to others around you. Go take care of the folks that are around you. You don't have to fight for your own self-righteousness anymore. You don't have to calculate your faith in front of others anymore. You don't have to wonder whether or not you're getting in. You're in because of what Christ has done. You're in the kingdom of God. You are there. And we wait for the fulfillment of those promises, but right now, in this moment, you are his child. Forgiveness shaping you, love holding on to you, grace bestowed to you. And so we don't have to calculate our faith. We get to act boldly in our faith. We get to trust God at his word, knowing it's true, and stand before this when they ask us about truth and ask us about forgiveness and ask us about what we believe we can stand very firmly and say well i believe in god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and in his son jesus christ the only begotten son of the father begotten of his father before all worlds you know whatever creed you want to follow whether it's the apostles or the nicene it's a great little summation of your faith that you get to not worry about how it's going to be heard because you know god works through his holy spirit to call people unto himself and he just looks at you and says be my mouthpiece Speak my word, speak my love, speak my forgiveness because that's what gets you in and that's what has shaped you and that's what's yours in every promise he makes to you. And that's what Jesus was going to the cross for, to show people how much he loved them so that we could look back on that and see how much God loves his creation. Not just us within these four walls, but how much he loves his creation to die on behalf of it before it ever even realized it needed it. Because again, it's not our repentance that draws God's forgiveness. It's God's forgiveness that helps us see who we are before him, broken as sinners, thankful for his love and his forgiveness given in Christ. In his name, amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love that shapes us, for the identity you give us in Jesus, for the righteousness you pour over us from all that he has done. And we see where we don't match up to that or deserve that at all, yet you continue to call us your children. You continue to hold on to us as your family. You continue to strengthen our faith, to hold on to those promises of eternal life and eternal life with you. And we pray, Father, that you would give us the courage that when it comes to matters of faith, that we would not calculate things, but that we would act boldly and that our hands would be shaped by that faith.
and our hearts so strong by how you have filled them with your love. And we know that you are always present with us, no matter what comes along. In your son Jesus' name, 